Saturday. CNBC is your ticket to the annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting. Watch live on air or stream all the action at CNBC.com. Warren Buffett meets with shareholders, plus their questions, his answers. Becky Quick and Mike Santoli with full coverage from Omaha. Then re-rack the energy with highlights Monday morning starting on Squawk Box. The annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting, live on air and online, starts 9.30 Eastern, Saturday, CNBC. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Good day, everyone. It's Friday, and that means it's time for Options Action. It's usually the time for Melissa Lee, but she's not here. I am Tyler Matheson. It's great to be with you. No Ordinary Show, the first Options Action of the new year. And here's what's coming up. Tonight, as COVID continues, an inverse trade pitting two consumer-driven sectors against each other. But not in the way you're probably expecting. Carter Worth and Mike Coe tackle that twofer. Then... Tony Zhang flies solo on Cisco. He spotted a new technical pattern in the old school tech titan. Plus, a look back on a specific bank trade before the barrage of bank earnings begins next week. It's time to risk less to make more. Options action starts right now. And let's get right to it. Welcome, gentlemen. We begin with the first of two opposing trades on the consumer themselves caught between COVID on the one hand, inflation on the other. Carter Worth is going to take us through the big picture and part one. Carter. You bet. So what we're going to look at first is an ETF, the XRT, that captures a broad swath of retailers, some 109 names, big ones like Amazon and Walmart, small ones like uh, Foot Locker and Gap. But the key is it's an equal weight ETF. So it tells a pure story. Let's look at the first chart. Um, this is the XRT closed out today at 87.18 and no judgments, no drawings. Let's draw some lines. Next chart. Uh, one thing one could see or draw. That's what my eye sees, a big topping out or rolling over formation. Look at the next chart. You could draw the lines this way. Could you call that a double top? You could. You can. Look at the next chart. Is it a well-defined trend and a break-in trend? It is. Put a few of them together, final chart. We have a double top. We have a break-in trend. And we have very poor relative performance to the S&P, to tech, to financials, to almost everything. Don't like it, want to be underweight, want to sell it short. I like the little eyebrows there over the uh, double top. That's a good-looking thing. Mike, what's the trade here? Yeah, so Tyler, this is an interesting one. As uh, Carter pointed out, you know, it is an equal weighted ETF. Equal weighted ETFs have had a tendency not to have the violent downside gap types of moves in real market swoons that we've seen in the cap weighted ones. And that's often because the high flying stocks often have a disproportionate share of those. But I would ask people to take a look at the levels of XRT right now. And you're going to notice that it's near double the pre-pandemic level Uh, for these names, which is pretty remarkable when you consider all that we've been through. So to my eye, it doesn't really seem like this is the cheapest place to enter the market right now. Now, the other thing to point out about an equal weighted ETF is that this is a situation where simply going out and buying puts, expecting that sharp downward move like I was just describing, isn't really the play. I think what you want to use here is a put spread. I was looking out to March 
essentially buying the at the money 87 strike put, selling the 77 strike put against it. When I was looking at that earlier today, that was going to cost a little over a quarter of the distance between the strikes. Now, we are seeing slightly elevated options premiums in a couple areas, and those who are paying attention to the market probably understand why that is. That short downside put is going to help offset the decay of the one that we own. It's also going to increase the break-even level. In other words, XRT is not going to need to fall quite as far before we start seeing profits at expiration on this trade. So I think this is a way that you can make a directionally short bet targeting around 77%, maybe a little higher, 80 or so, figuring on a 10% downside move over the course of the next couple of months. Tony, what do you think? Yeah, so I think this is a really good chart to look at from a case study perspective because XRT spent the better half of last year between 90 and 100. And the question always when you have a trading range is which way does it break out? And in November, we saw XRT actually break out above the $100 level. But the important part was the relative performance that Carter was talking about. On that breakout above 100, there was no outperformance relative to the market, and subsequently that breakout failed. Now we're testing the bottom end of the range, the $90 range. But this time we see not only do we break below the range, we see the underperformance relative to the market and relative to the other sectors that Carter is referring to. And that is the signal, I think, that XRT is heading lower. Now, typically, the 77 strike price, which is the lower strike price that Mike has chosen on his put vertical, that's about 11.5% away from the current price. That's a pretty sizable move here to the downside. But if you look at XRT, the big catalyst that drove this, uh, this ETF significantly higher was GameStop. And now we've seen GameStop break below mm -hmm. that 150 level, could potentially be a significant uh, uh, weight to the downside. And I think that this is a great way to play for some downside, getting about a 2 to 1 risk reward ratio, while risking less than 4% of the ETF's value. That's very interesting uh, dissection of that trade. Really, really cool to hear that. Let's go, let's move on now to our second part of our consumer crossroad. Carter, in the middle of another COVID winter, you're looking at a hotel stock that would be Hilton. That's right. And so to some extent, this is the other side. Uh, some of the best performers today in the market, of course, were things that were post-COVID or if and as COVID ends, which, of course, uh, it seems to be. So let's look at the first chart. This is Hilton. And that line is not manipulated or drawn to fit. It is a 45-degree angle, and Hilton is checked back to the penny over and over and over, every time it's bounced. And importantly, look at where Hilton is uh, in relation to its pre-COVID high, right? So the COVID high, the plunge, it's well above. Now, by contradistinction, take a look at the subsector that is the S&P 500, hotels, resorts, and cruises. So this has Marriott and Hilton in it. It's got bookings, Expedia, Carnival Cruise. We're nowhere near. We've not gotten even close to making back all the losses associated with COVID. And you can see that there. So the third chart is a comparative chart, just looks at the two together. And, and this is the important circumstance of relative outperformance. In fact, the last chart tells the tale. This is a relative chart, a ratio chart only, right, of Hilton's performance relative to its S&P sub-industry group, hotels, cruises, resorts. And you can see that massive outperformance when it spiked, that's the COVID low. It was outperforming even as the stock was going down. And it's been a year going sideways. We've just now broken out to the upside again in this formation. So Hilton uh, to the upside. All right, uh, Mike, uh, once again, the trade is yours. 
Yeah, you know, uh, thinking about the hotel business got me thinking about an options trade we don't talk about that often, but is a very common one. Uh, you know, a hotel gives you shelter, and I was thinking about a covered call. You know, when Carter makes a bullish case with a 60 to 90 day time frame, uh, typically he's thinking just about the stock. And of course, you could do that. You could go out and simply buy the stock here. It was trading right close to uh, 150, 152-ish, I think, right around the close. You know, a way that you can look to enhance the income that a stock can produce over time is by selling an upside call against it. So you would purchase the shares. I was looking out to the February 160 call. So you would buy the stock here, sell the 160 call. When I was looking at that earlier today, you could collect about $4.80. Now, I think Carter was talking about a price target somewhere in the neighborhood of 165-ish, that in the two to three month time window. Consider what you're looking at here. If you, in fact, had a price target of that level, essentially that's the break even if you sold that upside call. Of course, in this case, if the stock just stays here or drifts only mildly higher, you're going to get to collect that premium. Of course, if by February expiration it is not exceeding that short strike or if it's maybe just only slightly above it, you can then roll that short call out and look to do the same thing, collect a little bit more premium. That will lower your effective cost basis on the trade. Now, when you do that, as this chart illustrates, you are selling off some of that upside. But the point that I would make here, as Carter was saying, is that take a look at the pattern of how the stock has been behaving. It's been moving up in a very orderly and steady fashion. He's not asking for something violent here to the upside. What he's saying is that this trend is going to continue. And if you believe that, whether you hold the stock or not, selling a covered call is a way you could consider doing it. Tony, does this trade work for you? Uh, yeah, it does, especially if you look at the rev par of the major hotel groups. Hilton consistently outperforms its other two peers, Marriott and Hyatt. Um, and especially if you look at the chart itself, right now you have this breakout here above the $150 level. But I, there are two things that concern me right now about Hilton. Right now, if you look at the chart itself, it looks a little bit, there's some signs of exhaustion here. I think 160, 165 is about as high as you'll probably get here on Hilton. But also from a valuation perspective, it's trading at a fairly significant premium to its historical valuation. So for those reasons, I really like Mike's choice of a strike price here going all the way out to February. He's chosen the 160 strike price. That's about a 35 delta. That translates to about a 35% chance that Hilton will be above 160 by the February expiration. Typically, I would choose a higher strike price, a lower delta for cover calls. But in this particular case, I think getting more aggressive, collecting that four and a half bucks, which translates to about two and a half percent of the stock's value in the next 40 days or so, makes a lot of sense. Getting more aggressive, especially as you're nearing a top here in this uh, from both a technical and fundamental perspective. Mike, do you want to uh, react to uh, Tony's reaction? Yeah, no, I, I hear what he's saying about the Delta. That's true. You do want to try to select short dated options that don't have a super high probability of being in the money at expiration. That's a situation you do not want to be in typically. And a quick point I would also make, obviously, with respect to valuation, you know, this company obviously seeing its valuation as high as it is, but ha not having seen quite the revenue recovery that uh, you might have hoped to get at this point in the pandemic. You know, it is interesting. This is a company that navigated this pandemic pretty effectively. They got their expenses down quite significantly. And, you know, the thing that you would normally worry about would be things like debt covenants. They seem to have negotiated that situation fairly well. They're running a fairly asset-light model. 
So I think they are obviously demonstrating that in terms of managing the business, they, they can manage hardship, too. All right, folks, uh, one down. we got a lot more to go for everything's Options Action. Meantime, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. Remember Cisco? No, not the one who sang that song. Cisco, the old school tech titan? Tony Zhang is a new reason to believe it'll be a blast from the past. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Saturday, CNBC is your ticket to the annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting. Watch live on air or stream all the action at CNBC.com. Warren Buffett meets with shareholders, plus their questions, his answers. Becky Quick and Mike Santoli with full coverage from Omaha. Then re-rack the energy with highlights Monday morning starting on Squawk Box. The annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting, live on air and online, starts 9.30 Eastern, Saturday, CNBC. All right, welcome back to Options Action, everybody. My prompt says, intro Tony Cisco. Tony Cisco sounds like a lounge singer. Uh, check out shares of Cisco pushing higher recently. Tony Cisco and the options, up more than 12% since December. And if you think this disco in Cisco is just getting started, started Tony's got a way to keep on dancing. What are you seeing, Tony? Uh, yeah, I'm taking a look at Cisco because the transformation that we've seen on this company towards a higher margin services type business is continuing to pay off. And I think we're going to still see that going into this year. If we take a look at chart here of Cisco, what we have here is a breakout here above a clear resistance level, $60. But a lot of investors may have missed out on that particular breakout. But this week, we've seen a pullback to that level. And I think this is an opportunity to seek some upside exposure while reducing your overall risk on this over on this uh, on this pullback. And more importantly, when we look at Cisco as a company relative to its sector, it is in the technology sector. But I do think it's worth taking a look at Cisco relative to the, to the communication sector, which it is a big part of. And if we look at that relative chart to the communications, it has underperformed the broader markets for quite some time. But over the last 18 months, it has completed this bottoming formation and is starting to outperform the communication sector in addition to outperforming the tech sector, which is formerly a part of. So all of those things, from my perspective, signal that the breakout here above 60 on Cisco is constructive and it's likely to go to revisit that $65 level and continue higher. And if we look at the business itself, currently it's trading at about 18 times next year's earnings, which is a premium relative to its history. But I do think that those valuations are justified given the fact that it's been able to generate more than half of its revenue now from this higher margin services type business. So the trade structure that I want to use is going out to March. I'm buying the 60 by 67 and a half call spread. I'm paying about $3.45 for that March $60 at the money call option, slightly in the money call option actually. And then I'm selling the 67 and a half calls against that for about 69 cents. Net net here, I'm paying about $2.75 for this call vertical spread. That will pay me about a two to one risk to reward ratio if we do see Cisco revisit that $65 level and continue higher from here. Carter, what do you see in the charts? And then, uh, Mike, I'll turn to you about the trade. 
You bet. Well, Tony's described it perfectly. This is what's known in some of the history books in the 40s as a reaction buy point, meaning Cisco had a huge move off the November low, up almost 25%. And people react to strength by either taking profits or trying to short, which halts the advance and often forces it back to the level from which a key reference point can be cited. The 60 level, just what Tony said, usually you get a bounce right off that kind of level. All right, Mike, what do you think of the trade? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, interesting. Tony referenced that he sees it at a little over 18 times next year's earnings. I mean, I guess different analysts have different estimates. Looking for about three and a half bucks a share, that puts it at somewhere between, well, probably low 17s, I would guess, and probably about 7% annual EPS growth uh, the year following that. So actually, when you think about valuations, you have to compare it not only to its own history, but just to your investment alternatives in the marketplace. And on that basis, it really doesn't look too badly priced. And it has a very solid balance sheet. Uh, I think, obviously, the place where Cisco is encountering some potential headwinds is that a part of their growth strategy has been motivated by uh, M&A. And M&A has been a pretty tough uh, road to hoe when you've been seeing elevated asset prices. All right, gentlemen, thanks very much. We're going to take a quick break. And up next, an update on a blank trade we laid out a few weeks back. Don't go anywhere. There's more options action next. Welcome back to Options Action, everybody. Time for a financial follow-up on one of our bank trades. I called it a blank trade a few minutes ago. The only blank trade is up here. It's a bank trade. A few weeks back, Tony laid out a bullish bet on Bank of America. Let's listen. We saw the breakout here uh, a couple of months ago above this 43 and a half level. We've now come all the way back to retest this level as support. And I think this is an opportunity to seek some long exposure in this particular bank. I'm going out to January and I'm going to sell the $43 put options. Now I'm able to collect about $1.21 for that put option. Bank of America, Tony, up 9% since you made that uh, proposal. What do we do now? Yeah, so for investors who followed this, you were rewarded for that that volatility uh, expansion that we saw on December 20th. Earlier today, we, you could have closed this out for about seven or eight cents. That translates to about a profit of about $1.15 per share. I think there's two things you could do. Either you think Bank of America's run is over, take your $1.15 and move on to the next trade, or what you can do is, which is what I would prefer, is wait for a bit of a pullback here in the stock, buy the stock, and apply the $1.15 that you've collected on this short put to a discount on the stock purchase. That's about a 2.3% discount. I think Bank of America will continue to outperform here this year. And I think this is a great way to buy the stock with a small discount. So basically put that money back to work into B of A. Mike, your thoughts on B of A or more broadly on the financials? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. We were just talking about this over the course of uh, earlier this week, and that was, you know, how do the options markets view financials going into the new year? We obviously have seen some sharp increases in rates. And I will tell you that financials were one of the top, basically, sectors in terms of sentiment to the upside that we saw basically right at the end of 2021. And that continued this week. We saw a lot of bullish activity in Wells Fargo, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, City, uh, and some other financial areas as well. So, my inclination is to continue to lean long in the financials. How about you, Carter? What do you think of the financials overall? What are the charts saying? I mean, we, we know they've come to life as rates have moved. I'm in the camp that rates are really not going meaningfully higher, and I think the financials are full here. All right. Thank you very much. Up next, your tweets and the final call. We'll be right back. 
All right, welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. And our first viewer asks, is Shopify too expensive at this level? Is there more pain ahead? Carter, what do you say? Well, a couple of things. There's uh, expensive is probably uh, we can't use those kinds of terms for a stock that's trading at uh, 34 times sales, a PE of 290, price to free cash flow of 300. It's expensive. The real question is tactically, it's just sold off 36 percent as of today's close from its high of November 19th. Do you play it for a bounce here? As a trade, I think you play it for a bounce. But is it expensive? You betcha. Expensive but bouncy. Our next viewer asks, how do we manage the XLV 140 to 148 call spread from the show a couple of weeks ago? Initially, it was rocking, but now it's getting clobbered. And the XLV has actually broken its 50-day moving average. Should we buy to close the uh, 148s and let the 140s wear long ride or something else? Thanks. What's your move, Mike? Yeah, so first things first. If you didn't take profits when we saw that initial rally up to the peak that we saw recently and you still carry this position those 148 strike calls you can cover those and i think you might as well because you can probably buy them back for just a few pennies the other thing i would say is that i still like the sector and i definitely still like a couple of the key constituents i mean the largest component stock in this thing uh, united health the best managed care company there is pfizer is obviously a big constituent as well trading at 17 times is not particularly expensive the way you could handle this and a way I would be inclined to is actually to think about turning this into a risk reversal by selling a 130 strike put maybe in March. I have a feeling that that is probably where we're going to see. That's that level from which it bounced most recently. But I think we need to get Carter's opinion on this one because that's the level I'm looking at for a put sale against that long one. Very call. quick thought, Carter, if you might. It's a similar setup to Cisco. After breaking out, it's pulling back to where support comes into play. All right. Next viewer writes, I believe FedEx will run up with the, in the spring. More online shopping with Omicron and the wintertime. Looking to sell the March 18th, 320 call. And by the April 14th, 280 call for a cost of a little over three shares. Tony Quick, what do you think? Yeah, I think the chart looks constructive. I like the diagonal spread, but I think I would sell February calls against in, against it. Hopefully those expire, sell March, and then hopefully you'll be able to do some April calls against it as well. One, two, three, quick like bunnies, final call, Carter. Milton on the long side, consumer in general on the short side. All right, sounds good. Tony, you're next. Cisco, buy a call vertical spread. All right, and Mike, you wrap it up. XRT put spreads. All right, Carter, Mike, Tony, thanks very much. And thank all of you for watching. We'll be back next week with more Options Action. Don't go anywhere. Jim Cramer's Mad Money starts right now. Saturday, CNBC is your ticket to the annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting. Watch live on air or stream all the action at CNBC.com. Warren Buffett meets with shareholders, plus their questions, his answers. Becky Quick and Mike Santoli with full coverage from Omaha. Then re-rack the energy with highlights Monday morning starting on Squawk Box. The annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting, live on air and online, starts 930 Eastern, Saturday, CNBC.